Um, I have been generously invited to share a short word with you this morning. I noticed the word short in the invitation, and I will try and uh, honor that. I was wondering what word of scripture to bring to you on this occasion, and uh, I had a bit of a listen to some of the great preaching you've had on what the church is and the church is a building and so on in recent times. And uh, just felt that I had a simple word for today about love. And I'd like to read to you 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, whether a prophecies they will cease, where there are tongues they will be stilled, where there is knowledge it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Does that warm your heart? Just mine. Just feel the Word of God, the Spirit of God, taking these words and saying... These are for the church today. On a day when we're defining ourselves, these words are who Jesus has saved us and destined us to be. Now, I wanted to ask you if you remember Amanda Gorman. I got a book by her a couple of weeks ago which reminded me about her. Amanda Gorman, here's a picture of her, you might remember. She is the person who recited poetry at the inauguration ceremony of President Joe Biden. And uh, I remember what a powerful moment that was. There was all the formality of the event, all the making promises and the commitments. And then, in the middle of it, this young woman burst forth with poetry, like it was a gift, like it was an outbreaking of beauty in the midst of the formality, like it was a, a word of hope and a word of challenge. This is, um, was it gone? This is just how, how her poem began. And you've got to remember, this was after the, the difficult ending, let's say, of the previous presidency and the, uh, the mob, uh, you know, having kind of um, 
Um, uh, invaded the Capitol building and all that and the insurgency and the division in the country and she began when day comes we ask ourselves where can we find light in the never-ending shade the loss we carry a sea we must wade we've braved the belly of the beast we've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice and yet the dawn is ours before we knew it somehow we do it somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished we the successors of a country in a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only for only to find herself reciting for one and so she continues I just felt the beauty and the hope breaking out amidst the formality as she recited. I think the word today is that amidst the formal commitments we are making in words, God is saying, above all, let love break out. Because that is the beauty, that is the poetry of the church when love breaks out. 1 Corinthians 13 is really interesting because, as you'll have noticed, it comes in 1 Corinthians. Paul's first letter to Corinthians is actually a reply to a letter they've written to him asking him a whole bunch of questions like, what about marriage and singleness? And like, what about what foods you should eat? And what about the Lord's Supper? And what about spiritual gifts? And so on. These are really important. It's a kind of Q&A going on in 1 Corinthians. And Paul's answering all their questions. And the Q&A from then remains important FAQs for us today. But then suddenly in the middle of it, he drops 1 Corinthians 13, which is poetry. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In the midst of the prose, poetry breaks out and it's the poetry of love and it seems to me that the scriptures and the apostle is kind of saying to us to be church it's the beauty of love that has to break out amidst the formalities and so the covenant that we're making today is a covenant of love not just a covenant of words and commitments not just a document that will sign off or a YouTube video that will be on the church website reminding us of some commitments that were made it's a covenant that's made reality when we love one another when the poetry of love with its grammar of mercy and kindness and forgiveness and generosity is seen among us because you know that covenant is all over scripture the way god reaches out to his people from noah from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and David, is he establishes a covenant, an agreement. And this agreement, it's not like a kind of Brexit negotiation where God is trying to get as much for himself and give away as little as possible to the other side. It's not an agreement that's hammered out. It's a covenant of love where God says, I love you so much. You may not deserve it, you may not even be able to comprehend the vastness of my love, but I love you so much. I want to build a relationship. And the only way to do that is through a covenant of love. 
When Moses is reflecting on this in Deuteronomy 7, he says it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand. When Jeremiah is reflecting on it, he says, I've loved you. The Lord says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. When we turn to the New Testament and find the new covenant in Jesus, it's best summed up, isn't it, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son. The love of God is the basis of the covenant and the new covenant is sealed with the blood of Jesus as we'll be celebrating with communion in just a few minutes because Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends and you, he says to us, are my friends. So there is a covenant of love. The beauty of God's work is his love. The New Testament says the church is meant to be beautiful, like a, like a bridegroom awaiting the bride. And the beauty of the church is love. Whoever belonged to a church that, uh, where love is absent and said that's a great church, I've never met anyone who said, well, the church just down the road is so convenient to walk to that even though they hate each other, we go there and we find it a great church. It's a rubbish church. I remember reading a book by Garrison Keillor a few years ago, and he talked about a congregation. He said they were known for the ugliness of their holiness. <laughs> what, a, what an unfortunate phrase that is. Now, the, the, the fact is that what is true is where there is love, we can accept our lesser failures. When I travel around the country visiting Baptist churches, sometimes I notice things, and here are three things that I've noticed in other churches occasionally, which I know categorically are not true of Sterling Baptist Church, so I can say them here. Sometimes the coffee is not great, to the point of being undrinkable at times. Sometimes the sermons are a bit long and tedious. And sometimes that's because I'm preaching. Um, and sometimes the music is suboptimal. But where churches love one another, where the love of Christ is shed abroad in their hearts, where the beauty, the poetry of love characterizes the church, then these other things don't matter too much. In fact, love covers a multitude of sins. And um, the mission of the church, of course, depends on our love. I'd, I could talk about this for ages, but I need to, I need to move on quickly. Um, um, Tertullian, who was a great voice, sort of saying, in, standing up for the church in, a, in an apologetic in the second and third century and, uh, and saying, this is what the church is about. He famously says, look, they say, says unbelievers say, look, they say, how Christians love one another. His understanding of why the church was growing like wildfire in his generation was because the beauty of love overflowed from God's people. Because the poetry of love was heard when you encounter people. People who'd learned to love one another within the family of the church overflowed in their families and their neighborhoods and their workplaces and the communities with that same kind of love. And why were they overflowing? Because of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit or the reforming work of the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in Romans 5, God has 
poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The reason we love is not because we try extra hard to be like Jesus, like good students. It's because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Because we are in Christ and he is in us. Because God pours out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about the work of the Spirit in the church through spiritual gifts and so much more. And right in the middle of it, he places 1 Corinthians and 13 and, and saying, but actually, the great and beautiful work of the Spirit that surpasses the rest is that love is poured out. And so Jesus has given us the great command. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's given us that new command. Love one another as I have loved you. It's just, you know, it's just a recipe for beauty. It's, he's saying, learn to, learn to be poetic. The beauty of love, the love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts. So our covenant making today is a desire for Christ-like love to characterize this church, for the prose of doctrine and structure to be infused with the poetry of love. Look here in 1 Corinthians 13, those first three verses. Love is the primary performance in the church. Whatever part you perform in the church, whether you prophesy or whether you give or whether you teach, the most important thing is love. Then secondly, love is the Christ-like character of the church. We could have built our covenant wording today, I suppose, around verses 4 to 7 and said, well, this is what we believe. Sterling Baptist Church is patient. SBC is kind. SBC does not envy. SBC does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs and so on. Because love is the Christ-like characteristic of the church. And love is the defining destiny of the church. When everything else is gone, when even faith and hope are needed no more, Love will endure because there is a coming kingdom, the kingdom of God, when the glory of Jesus will be established and when sin will be defeated and burned up and when the beauty of God will fill all things and love will be at the heart of it. That is the language that we will speak and the only language one day. If you were planning to move to France next year, you might think about learning some French now. Brothers and sisters, we're moving to the kingdom of God. And we better learn some love now, because that is our destiny. Listen, the closing words of that poem that Amanda Gorman read at the inauguration read like this. For there is always light, if only we are brave enough to see it. If only we are brave enough to be it. This covenant of love, may you, by God's power, be brave enough to be it. Amen.